All right. I always feel bad interrupting you. The, 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 most, the healthiest sounds you can hear in church are children and people talking. It's really, it's great. Um, anyway, I love it. Uh, I really am excited. I don't sound excited, do I? It's funny. I can hear myself. It's like, I have, I'm excited. This is, is going to be a great series. It's going to be a great month. Um, May is Mental Health Awareness Month. Now, uh, we've never done um, a series to go along with M- Mental Health Awareness Month. And I was talking to somebody the other day. It's, so mental health is one of those topics that is all through the Bible. It's not like money. Like when preachers have to talk about money in a series, it's because they've missed the fact that stewardship is all through the Bible, right? So it should probably be a part of everything we talk about. And so I, I think what you'll find is we want to be more intentional about addressing these issues. But whenever we come up on May, this might be something that, and we'll just have to lean into the Holy Spirit and see what the Spirit says to do. But this might be something that we do every year. But not because we're only going to talk about this once a year, but because we want to raise awareness. You understand what that means? So we want awareness to be there all the time, but every now and then you just want to raise it. So people know that, wow, the, the Bible speaks to this. And how many of you have found in your life that the Bible speaks to just about everything we experience? Have you noticed this? People don't want to talk about that. They're like, well, just, you know, don't, have, don't use the Bible. Use a, a book you got from the, from the library or you bought on Amazon. But, like, the Bible speaks to a lot of issues. And almost every issue that we face, you can find something in the Bible. This issue on mental um, health, i got to just be honest with you right up front. Um, I feel very inadequate for this teaching. Um, this, this hits close to home for, for me, for us, for, it's just, this is a tough one. So, uh, you'll only hear from me today. And next week we have Dr. Natalie Atwell coming. She's a, a licensed counselor in Concord, and she's phenomenal. Loves, she loves Jesus more than she loves mental health, and she really loves mental health. So she's going to stand here and teach us. Um, there's so much that I don't want to even talk about because I'm not really qualified to talk about it. But we'll have people that come here uh, that week. And then the, the third week we have Larry Wilkins. He, um, he's big in addiction recovery in our area. He's going to be here sharing on May the 16th. And then we're going to wrap it up the fourth Sunday of the month. Um, we'll, I'll, I'll be here. And I've got a, a good friend, Brian Johnson, who's going to come. Not the Bethel Brian Johnson, but another one. Um, he's He's a pastor here in the area and he also they do a ton of work during the week in this area and so I just want to get people on the platform that know more than I do that's okay with y'all right (laughs) you're thinking you should do that every week (laughs) it's probably true every week right um but I just want to get people up here that know that know uh, I'm, I'm just botching this whole introduction let me say it like this all I want to do all I want to do today is be your pastor can I do that I don't want to impress you. I just want to be your pastor. I want, to, I want to speak to you as the person who's been appointed by God to tell you the things that God wants to do in your life. I want to give you that kind of guidance this morning, and then I want to sit on the front row and learn just like you. Because what I don't want you to hear from us is when it comes to mental health, if you'll just love Jesus more, I've been in those places. If you'll just love Jesus more, It'll fix everything else. Now, you're going to hear me say today, you need to love Jesus more. Because don't you just want to love Jesus more? 
And that's, that's what I want to say as a pastor to you. So this morning, I just want to talk to you about, and the message is called Where Jesus Leads. I just want to talk to you about where Jesus leads his children, okay? Now, i got to give you some stats as we kick this off. Um, these are from Johns Hopkins, and just listen to these. 26% of Americans ages 18 and older suffer from a diagnose, diagnosable mental disorder each year. Y'all, that's 66 million people, one in four. And that's just the ones that report it. So you know that number is way higher. 9.5% of people 18 and over will suffer a major depressive illness in a year, every year. I I mentioned this stat earlier as we were getting ready to start the series. Um, 60% of college students over the last year have had a depressive episode just through the pandemic. 2.6% suffer from bipolar, 1% from schizophrenia. Um, one of the reasons why I highlight those percentages, because they're very low. I mean, if you're, if you're like me, you read that and go, well, 2.6%, 1%, it, they're still people, right? But what I want you to know is that I'm not going to, I don't, I'm not necessarily going to address that. We're bringing in people that can maybe address those things. And as we go through this series, what you'll find is some people in this room may fall into that percentage. And, and there's, there is help for that beyond just love Jesus more. There's actually help like counseling. There's people that you can see. We want to introduce you. Our whole goal is to, is to fill you up with resources this month so when this series is over, you're not, you're not just like, well, that was a great four weeks. Now what? Right? And so that last Sunday, um, when Brian Johnson comes, that's one thing we want to do is just give you a bunch, a bunch of resources. I'm not necessarily going to address the 2.6 or 1%. It's not because it doesn't matter. I'd rather talk about the one in four sitting in the room that are dealing with mental illness, mental, mental health, and stuff like, like depressive episodes, anxiety. Holy cow, y'all, 18% of adults in America struggle with anxiety. I, can, I know that. I know that story, right? I, I, in my senior year in high school, this is ridiculously crazy, I used to spend my lunch hour in the tuba hole. So what that means is, like, you go to, any of y'all play band instruments? You walk into the band room, and, like, they, you have to store your instruments somewhere. And so, like, they had, the tuba ones were huge because tubas are big. And I, there was one that was empty. I spent every lunch in my senior year in the tuba cubby just hiding from people because of, of anxiety. I get that stat, right? Four times as many men than women commit suicide, but women attempt suicide more than men. Let me tell you what has become, this, is, this has become a very sobering truth, and then we'll get into the teaching. Um, how many of you have ever broken a bone? Raise your hand. Wow, y'all are clumsy. Um, I've, I've never broken a bone. I, I did separate my left shoulder. I, I, you can push my collarbone up and down. It's, we won't do that now, but it's a whole other story. I have, I have no tendons holding that in place. If you break a bone, you go to the hospital, especially if you're under a certain age. If you break a bone to go to the hospital, you're going to whip out your phone, and you're going to take a selfie, right? Because <laughs> adults would never do this, but trust me, younger, younger ones in the room, this is you. You're going to take a picture, and you're going to post it, 
If you're older than the age that would take a selfie, you're going to tell somebody that you're at the hospital and you have a broken bone. And guess what's going to happen if you're a part of a church? The minute the word gets out that you're in a hospital with a broken bone, there's this thing called a meal train. Have you heard of these? There's going to be about 500 meal trains headed towards your house, right? You can't stop it. You can only hope to contain it, right? They're gonna, people are going to load you up with food. They're going to take care of you. But if you're in the hospital for an emotional illness, if you're in the hospital for a mental illness, you're not taking a selfie. You're probably not calling anybody. And you are there on your own. That's why this has to be talked about. We have got to bring this to the forefront so that there's no longer silence in this area. Because people that are struggling in these areas, boy, they need, they need support. They need help. They need hope. And that's what we want to do. There's, there's nothing that we can face that is beyond the good news of the gospel, and mental health is included in that. So we want to take four weeks and just connect the gospel with mental health. All right. Y'all like, that was the worst introduction ever. Sorry. Um, so let's just, let's do this. Let's talk about where we're headed in the series, and let's talk about where Jesus leads us. So um, some things I want you to hear in this series. Our goals are to lower anxiety by raising awareness, right? Now, if you're here and you're an introvert, I mean, I've already felt the anxiety, and I'm the one talking, y'all. If you're here and us even talking about this topic makes you feel uncomfortable, hang in there, Right? You are among friends. Look around the room. Everybody in this room that knows you loves you. We're so glad you're here. This is a safe place to be, right? And so as we, we want to raise awareness, and what you'll find over the next couple of weeks is it will actually lower anxiety, just talking about it. We want to talk about what we think about. How many of you have ever really thought about what you think about? We should probably give more attention, pay more attention to the things that's, that are going through our minds, right? You've probably heard people say this is the greatest battlefield, and it is. Listen, here's another goal. We want to bring God into the conversation so that we can usher shame out of the conversation. Shame is huge in this area. It is the, it is the, the number one weapon that the enemy uses is shame. And we want to offer hope. Um, that stat, that one out of four in the room. So if I'm looking, if we just look around, I mean, we have four sections here, right? One, two, three. And if we just said, like, this whole section right here, you're one of four sections. We don't want to have a church that only addresses 75% of the people in the room. We want to have a church that addresses everybody. And when it comes to this area, we don't, want, we don't want to be content with never talking about something that affects one in four people in this room. Uh, okay, y'all just need to say that out loud. Say, in this room. Because I think right now you're doing what most people would do. You're thinking, well, yeah, out there, one in four struggle. No, 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 these stats are in the church too. One in four in this room. We're not content to speak over that. Now, two statements from Rick Warren. Man, I love the way he says this. Number one, this series may not solve mental illness, but it will help us serve the mentally ill. And then he follows up with this statement, which is even more powerful. We know this, that not every problem seems solvable, 
But every problem is servable. And our heart is to serve people that are struggling in this area. It doesn't mean... um, It doesn't mean that as you love Jesus more, you're going to feel some of these things less. Okay? Let me talk to you about where Jesus leads. 2 Timothy 1.7. This is just a simple verse. You've heard it before probably. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Now, if, depending on what version you use, yours would say um, self-control as that last one. But what, what the word actually means, the New King James actually gets this right. It means sound mind. So this is your big idea for today, okay? Jesus leads us away from fear and toward a sound mind. This is so important, okay? Camera people, here we go. You got this. Look, this is all about the journey with Jesus, okay? So Jesus, if we take his hand and we let him lead us, and this is true in every area of your life, but especially in mental health. If we take Jesus' hand and we say, right here, I'm starting. I want you to lead me, Jesus. He is always, somebody say always. He's always going to lead us away from fear and toward a sound mind. Because we just read it. And the word of God is true. He didn't give you a spirit of fear, so he's not going to lead you there. But he did give you a sound mind. He's going to lead you there. Does that make sense? Here's why that's important. Don't raise your hand. I'll be the person who says, um, it, it'll apply to me. So I'll just speak for you. Y'all, I have days I don't want to get out of bed. And not because I'm lazy. Okay? I just have days where I'm just like, I don't want to do it. Does that mean that I suddenly cease to love Jesus? No. It means that as he took my hand and he's leading me away from fear and toward a sound mind, there will be times on that journey when we have bad days. But as long as I've got his hand and he has mine, and boy, he can hold on to some hands, can he? Kids, have your parents ever held your hands so tight you're just like, ow. Jesus can hold us, yeah. He can hold our hands like that. And as long as we're holding his hands, I'm telling you, as a pastor, right, not a, not a clinician, not a mental health professional, as your pastor, According to the word of God, as long as he's got a hold of your hand, he is always leading you to a sound mind. Jesus always leads us to mental health. Always. That's the scripture. It doesn't mean if you struggle in the process that you don't love Jesus and he doesn't love you. It just means this, that the journey can be good or bad at times, but the destination is always good. Are you hearing me say always? It's always good, y'all, always. That's where he's leading us. So if the destination is mental health, if that's where Jesus is leading us, then why would we go back towards fear? It's because the tactic of the enemy is to get us to fear by believing lies. Okay, so I want to give you four lies, four lies that we believe. How many of you ever heard the, um, this I'll never, I never remember if it's an acronym or an acrostic, but when each letter in a word stands for something, fear is false evidence appearing real. Have you ever heard that? 
I don't know if I'm old enough that I've heard it a long time ago and now I can say it and it's new <laughs> or if it's just really like everybody knows it. But I, I love that. I didn't make it up. False evidence appearing real. And so when I was preparing for this message, I was like, okay, God, Jesus wants to lead me away from fear and toward mental health. So what is the false evidence that appears real? What are the things in this area, in mental health, what are the things that are lies that appear real that we believe and that when we believe them, they cause us to fear, which means Jesus can't lead us there because we're trying to tug Jesus back over here. Are you with me? Okay, so four lies. Here we go. They're in no particular order. These are the lies that we believe. Number one, lie number one, no one understands. Oh, my goodness. Teenagers in the room. How many times have you said that? Right? No one understands. And what I want you to know about that lie is it attacks our security. And this is just the enemy's tactic. Genesis 3.1. The serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. And one day he asked the woman, did God really say? That is the enemy's tactic. He, he highlights that word really. Did he really say that? And I think when it comes to mental illness, the enemy's tactic is still the same. You're at home. I'm at home. We're having a, a bad day. You call it whatever you want. In our house, they're called blue funk days. I don't know who, where we came up with that, but it's, you got to say it carefully, of course. But <laughs> blue funk days, you could be having one of those days, and the enemy's tactic is to say to you, no one understands. Not even God. Yeah, but, but, but he said that he would never leave. Did God really say? But Paul sang about his goodness. And Shannon was like, it was, she nailed it. Yeah, but is God really good? Man, the enemy, he highlights that word really all the time. What about, what about this? What if they really knew me? You ever feel that on the way to church? I mean, I know you don't want to admit it, but, I mean, gosh, y'all, I'm your pastor. <laughs> and I've driven to church on Sunday morning thinking, oh, my. And not like we're hiding sin, just, just life, right? Like, boy, if they really knew, if they really knew what my Saturday was like, they might not want me to preach today. You ever struggle with that? It's the enemy's tactic. And when it comes, when it comes to that, when we say no one understands, it keeps everything up in our mind. And this is where we lose the battle. This is the part that we're supposed to renew. This is where lies become something that we believe. And you'll hear more about this, I'm sure, in the weeks to come from smarter people than me. But the way that God designed your brain is what you think about the most becomes the easiest to think about. Because you, you literally create a pathway through your brain. How many outdoors people do we have here? You like to go camp? You know, if you go camp somewhere and there's not a trail, what do you have to do? You have to make a trail. And that's hard work. So you get out your hatchet, machete, not a pocket knife, and you just start whacking stuff. And it's hard work to make a trail. But as you make that trail and as people walk on that trail, what happens to that trail? It becomes easier to walk on. You start pushing down all the dirt. It becomes hard there's just a few rocks. You see them, you can throw them out of the way. It's just easier to go that way. But what if somebody said, hey, let's go a different way? Oh, man, I don't want to go that way. That's hard work. 
Renewing our mind is hard work. And if we feel like no one understands us, it attacks our security. We can't trust the word. We can't trust that people really actually like me. And, and we have no security. Here's line number two. And it makes perfect sense. If we think that no one understands, then line number two is I'm all alone. And this attacks our community. A couple of verses for you to write down. Genesis, I mean, um, yeah, Genesis 3, no, sorry, Deuteronomy 31.6. Come on, Paul, get it together. Deuteronomy 31.6. So be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid and do not panic before them. For the Lord your God will personally go ahead of you. He will neither, neither fail you nor abandon you. So the whole story here is that Moses was on the way out and Joshua was on the way in. But in the transition of one man out and one man in, God wasn't leaving. And when it comes to mental health issues, for most of us in the room that fall into that one out of four that, that struggle with these issues, the lie that we believe more than any other is that I'm alone. Man, and, and the enemy uses that to suck us into our house, pull down the blinds, close the curtains, right? Don't let anybody near me. Romans chapter 8, verses 31 through 35. I need to read the whole thing to you. It's just that good. What shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can be against us? Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? Who dares accuse us the, whom God has chosen for his own? No one. For God himself has given us right standing with himself. Who then will condemn us? No one. For Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us, and he is sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand, pleading for us. So can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? And the obvious answer is no. Nothing, no thing, even mental illness can cut us off from the love of God. Psalm 46.1, God is an ever-present help in our need. Ever-present. He doesn't leave. He doesn't leave. So the enemy says, hey, don't, don't, no one's going to understand. No one understands you. And because no one understands you, he says, you're also going to be all alone because you can't dare open up to somebody because they won't understand you. They'll just reject you, right? And so he cuts us off. He says, hey, even God's not going to be with you. You must not really love God. If you really love God, you wouldn't be depressed. And God can't really love you because you don't have the joy of the Lord, right? These are all lies that we hear in our head. And if he can cut us off from God, then the next thing he wants to do is cut us off from God's people. Can I just speak this to you? Please jot this down. Cultivate friendships that accept you for who you are and direct you to who God is. We do one of the two. We rarely do both. You will find community with people who accept you as you are, but they'll never point you to who God is. Or we come to church, <laughs> we're around Christians, they direct us to who God is. The pastor's always telling you who God is, but they don't, you know, we never feel like they really accept us. Cultivate friendships that do both, that accept you for who you are and direct you to who God is. Line number three, um, this will never end. 
And this lie attacks our hope. Because any bad circumstance that has no end also has no hope. And a lot of people struggle with this. They feel this depression. They feel this anxiety. And it's like God is never going to go away. The enemy wants us to believe that the mental attacks will never end. I want to share with you 2 Corinthians chapter 4, 17 and 18. Paul writes, for our present troubles are small and won't last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone. But the things we cannot see will last forever. Depending on your translation, um, our light, is, my version says, for our present troubles are small and won't last very long. You might have one that says our light and momentary troubles. And I want to be really, really sensitive here. I'm not saying that depression, anxiety, panic attacks, mental, mental illnesses, I'm not saying that those are light. And that's not what Paul's saying here either. Like, well, that's not a big deal. Suck it up, buttercup, right? What he's saying is in comparison to the weight of God's glory that we will have forever, this is light. Are you with me? But then he uses that word momentary. And the enemy's lie is this will never end. And I want you to know this. It's momentary. Not trying to make light of this, but what I kept thinking of it as I was um, preparing for this was I used to go to a traditional church, um, whatever that means. For me, that meant it, was, it had pews and stained glass and it had wooden floors. It was like a, it was a huge echo chamber, right? Like whatever you did, you could do something on this side of the room, and people heard it over there. They didn't have these wall sound buffer thingamajigs, actually, actually what they're called. They didn't have those, right? So I remember as a teenager, all the youth groups sat together in the same spot. It was the left-hand side of the church towards the front, and we didn't listen to anything. Literally, my whole, my whole life growing up was give me the bulletin, and I would get one of those little small golf pencils, that they had in the, in, the, in the pew, and I would use that to check off things as they happened in the service. And I always felt like, I mean, this is my whole life growing up, I always felt like ser services just went so fast. Like, you know, the, um, I don't even know what they're called now, but like you had the opening song and then like a, the first hymn and then like uh, there's a reading and there's this and there's that. You just like, and you hit the sermon, like, God, when can I check this off? Right, it's taking forever. But I remember sitting there one day and it, so one of those moments in the, in the service where everything got super, 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 super quiet. And then I sneezed. I mean, some of y'all have like that cute little <laughs> sneeze, right? But I'm, I'm like the, <laughs> I mean, it just came out of nowhere. It's like, you ever been caught off guard by a sneeze? I mean, the only thing that could have been worse would have been if stuff had been hanging out after it. But thankfully that didn't happen. And if you have a bad gag reflex, I'm sorry for even the picture. But it was so loud, and it echoed, and it just felt like it grew. And, and I already struggled with, like, identity and self-worth. And so anything that put attention on me, I mean, it just would create the worst feeling in the world. And there was nowhere to hide. Everybody knew that it came from the youth section, and as teenagers often do, they were so subtle in stuff like, you know, like it was 
so obviously me. Plus, I'm beat red, and I'm trying to recover. And do you know what got me out of that, that, that moment? Is I told myself, you know what? This time next week, I'm getting on a bus going to youth camp. And I just, I just in that moment, had to remind myself, this is not going to last forever. People will forget about the sneeze that interrupted the whole service, right? And this time next week, I'm going to be miles from this place somewhere else. I'm not equating sneezing in public with mental struggles, right? But I want you to see the picture that it's momentary, y'all. The enemy wants you to believe that this will last forever, and it will not last forever. Psalm 40, verses 1 and 2. The psalmist says, I waited patiently for the Lord to help me, and he turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the pit of despair, out of the mud and the mire. He set my feet on solid rock and steadied me as I walked along. I don't know if you heard it or not, but just notice all the past tense words, right? I waited patiently. He turned. He heard. He lifted. He set my feet. He steadied me. I walked the psalmist is talking past tense, right? He's like, there was a moment where I didn't know if I was going to get out of that. But God heard me, and he did these things for me. It was a moment. It was an awful moment. And there was mud, and there was a pit, a, a pit of despair, right? There was a pit. It was all the stuff. It was a bad, bad, bad moment. But he picked me out of that, and he set my feet on a rock. Man, friend, I want you to know this. As someone who can understand the deal with mental struggles, I'm telling you, emotional and mental struggles are momentary. Your enemy wants you to believe that they will never stop, and they will. He will hear our cry, and he will lift us up. And here's the fourth lie, the last one. Lie number four says, this is who I am. And this lie attacks our identity. This might be the hardest one of all. I think this is the one, this current generation, and by generation I don't mean like teenager and younger. I mean everybody who's alive on the planet right now is a generation. Okay, so we're all the same generation even though I'm older than a bunch of you, right? This current generation, this is the attack. This is the lie that we're being fed, y'all, that, that depression is who I am. Anxiety is who I am. You know, we did a series called Filters a while back. Remember that? And I told you that once you see things, you can't unsee them. I'm going to tell you something, and you're going to see it from now on. Just start paying attention to the drugs that get advertised on TV. I shared with you a stat earlier that says 2.6% of adults 18 and older have been diagnosed with bipolar. Do you know what drug is being promoted now on TV? It's a drug for bipolar. 2.6%, y'all, are already being seen by a physician that can help with that problem. But everybody in America is, is being fed identity because they want all of us to say, this is who I am. I am depression. I am bipolar. I am panic attacks. I am all these things. The enemy is trying to attack our identity. 
What I want you to see is that our struggles don't define us, they refine us. So I want to close this morning in a couple ways. One, I want to read this passage of scripture to you. Man, I love it's Isaiah 43, 1 through 4. I want you to hear who you are in Jesus. But now, O oh Jacob, and all who aren't named Jacob, right? <laughs> right? <laughs> but now, O oh Jacob, listen to the Lord who created you. O oh Israel, the one who formed you says, Do not be afraid, for I have ransomed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you go through, through deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I gave Egypt as a ransom for your freedom. I gave Ethiopia and Seba in your place. Others were given in exchange for you. I traded their lives for yours because you are precious to me. You are honored and I love you. Listen to this statement. We are the beloved of God. We are formed by God, rescued by God, called by God, purchased by God, kept by God, chosen by God, precious to God, honored by God, loved by God. God. And God doesn't love you in spite of your struggles. He loves you in your struggles. Your identity is not what's going on up here. Your identity is what we just read. And because of that, he's with you. I want to read um, one more thing if I can. Um, We've read a lot of scriptures this morning, and they're all from the Bible, which means they're all written by the Holy Spirit through Paul. I mean, not all of them, but most of what we've read this morning has come from letters that Paul wrote under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. So I want to, I want to finish this with a commentary on um, Galatians chapter 4, verse 14, and then we're going we're gonna to pray. And we're, by the way, just, I'm going to give you some warning. I don't feel like we're supposed to pray like... Bless them, Jesus. Amen. Out. I feel like we're taking a month to talk about issues that are very, very real. And that if we don't offer to pray for one another, we're going to miss it. I think this is a month when we've got to really seriously consider, like, if you want to be prayed for, we're going to pray for you before you head out. Okay? So just be, be ready for that. Galatians, um, this, is, this is a commentary that was written about Galatians 4.14. Let me read the commentary, then I'll read the verse. Many of you know that the Apostle Paul had some kind of chronic illness that he refers to in his letters in Scripture. It's okay. The struggle's real. It's all good. You're loving him well, Dad. Some people have surmised that it was epilepsy, which is a brain disorder. But we don't know because he never really talks about the symptoms, just that it was recurring and something he, has, he, had, he had had to learn to live with. Some have speculated that it was recurring depression. We just don't know. But in his letter to the early church in Galatia, he writes something which is a model for us in faith communities when he says, Even though my illness was a trial to you, 
you did not treat me with contempt or scorn. Instead, you welcomed me as if I were an angel of God, as if I were Christ Jesus himself. Galatians 4, 14. I think about Amy, who most of you didn't have the privilege of knowing because she was a part of our church. Have we been a church long enough to say the early days? But it feels like it was in the early days. And she really struggled, y'all. She, I mean, she would admit that. Like, she really struggled. Um, and when I say really struggled, like, she could be, in one Sunday, she could go from, like, loving you to cussing you out. Like, <laughs> and, and she didn't even, actually, she probably didn't even need the whole Sunday to have that happen. It could be, like, in a, like one minute, you're Jesus and you're the devil, and she's telling you all about it. She really struggled. And, and I got to watch our church live that verse out, y'all. Yeah, your illness was a trial. If Amy was here, I could, I'd say, like, your illness was a trial for us. And not, we're not even talking about the fact that she was a Green Bay Packers fan. Come on, y'all. That's tough. That was hard to deal with, right, just that, right? Yeah, even though your illness might have felt like a trial, she would say this, you did not treat me with contempt or scorn. Instead, you welcomed me as if I were an angel of God. And guess what she is today? She's with God, right? And so this morning, you know, I, I, I was talking to Cecil before church. I, I, I don't know how to, how to close a service like this. But I just don't think I can close it by just saying, hey, bow your head. And, you know, if you re- relate to this, raise your hand. And now, now that you identified yourself, just bye. I don't think that's who we are. We want to we wrap our arms around you and pray with you. Some of you um, may have come this morning thinking, well, I'm going to go to this, this series on mental health because at some point in that series, there's going to be this moment and someone's going to lay hands on me and pray for me and suddenly, thank you, Jesus, this wrestling in my head is going to be gone. Maybe. But here's what also might be happening. You've put your hand in Jesus' hand and we know that Jesus leads us away from fear and toward a sound mind. And sometimes on that journey, what we need are moments at an altar, moments with a friend in a car where, where people, like, just take our hand and pray with us and say, hey, I'm with you. You're not alone. I might not fully understand, but even if I did fully understand, I'm still going to be with you, right? This is not who you are. This will not last forever. We need to have moments where people grab our hands and do that. And we walk from those moments. And we might walk from those moments and still have the same thoughts again, but we've got ammo to deal with those now, right? When's the last time you, you talked to Satan and said stuff like, you're a freaking idiot? Because I know that's not true now. Because I had a friend, I had a pastor, I had a, a quiet time with the Lord, I had a verse, and I know that what you're telling me is a lie, and I'm not buying it anymore. And on my days when it's hard to get out of bed, that's the way we talk in our house to Satan. Because we know who we are in Christ. And what we might feel, while it might be real, it's probably not always true. And so we move. Jesus, take my hand, right, and take me. 
There, Jesus, take the wheel. Should we all stand and sing it together as we close, right? So this morning, can I ask you to be courageous? Um, Can I ask you to close your eyes? And I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond. We're not looking for magic pills, magic buttons. We're looking to our Savior. Right? The one who promised he would never leave us or forsake us. A present help, an ever-present help. And if this morning you're here and you, you would like prayer in this area of your life, I'm just going to ask you to stand in your seat. Not in your seat, sorry. Stand at your seat. <laughs> Just stand at your seat. I know it's a huge step, y'all. I know it's a big risk. If it makes you feel any better, I'm already standing. Just stand. There's healing in that, right? Thank you so much. Anybody else? It's not a sign of weakness. Man, it's just this is where I'm at. This is where I'm at. I'll tell you this. Not that I'm doing the stats in my head. But one in four is a pretty good indication of who might be standing right now. And you're in a safe place to respond, right? So I'm just going to wait a little bit, just a few more moments, and give you the opportunity to stand. Listen, I'm going to ask some of the people that, that, that have been coming on Wednesday night to pray, if you would just move to these that have stood, would you be willing to do that? And we're just going to lay our hands on them. You feel free to wear a mask, whatever you need to do, okay? But we, just want, we don't want you praying on your own, okay? So it, just keep standing until somebody gets with you, okay? And we're just going to pray for you. We're just going to pray. We want to give the Holy Spirit room just to minister. And my prayer right now is that those of you that have stood, one, I want you to know that you're loved. You're loved by your Father. Man, He is crazy about you. And and you're not a disappointment to Him on your bad days, right? The Bible says He loves you with an everlasting love. Just listen to those words, everlasting love. We read in Psalm that He's an ever-present help. Hey, church, if you would just... Just pray with us right now. Just pray with us, even in your seats. And God is greater than the things that we feel. He's greater than the things that we think. His love overcomes it all. And while we're never going to be a church that says, hey, just love Jesus more, I mean, we're going to bring people in that, can, that are going to give you very, very practical things that you can do in this area in your life. I do want you to know this. In this moment, I want you to be loved more by Jesus. I just want you to feel him loving on you right now. And if, and if he could, if he was in this room physically, he would take your face in his hands (laughs) and he would say you're mine you're mine
I ransomed you. I chose you. I've kept you. And I love you. And Lord, I just pray that in this moment, man, these that have stood would feel that, God. And I pray for those of us in this room, Lord, that don't struggle in these areas. Man, God, I'm asking that you would break our heart like it breaks yours. That you would help us to serve well in this area. That we would serve these. These are our friends, God. And, and we want to serve them in, in this season of their life. We want to serve them in this struggle. We want to be the hands and feet of Jesus. God, we refuse, we refuse, God, to allow them to be alone in something that is so easy to be alone in. And we want to treat them, God, like a, a member of the body that has been broken and needs healing. And so we just, we just pray. And church, would you do this with me? We just stand where you are. Can we just stand and just pray? Even if you don't pray the words with me, I want you just to agree with me as we just speak life and a, just a benediction over these that have stood. God, we just pray over them that they would know that they're loved in this place. And that they would feel the safety in this place, God. And we are for them. We commit ourselves to that, God. I pray that you would, you would place them on our hearts, that they would get cards, texts, whatever. Like we would meal train them as well. Like some days it's just hard to cook, God. And I know we're going to leave in a minute. Just let's just can we just pray against shame just for a moment? In this place, God, shame has no place. The enemy, he loves to use shame to push our heads down, and we will not be a partner with that. And so, God, I, I publicly, as the, the pastor of this church, God, we just confess to you that if we've been a part of that, if there's anything in our body that has been a part of that, God, we renounce it, we confess it, we ask you to forgive us, God, to break that off of this place, that this would be a place where these that have stood here today can step in any time with their heads up and know that they are accepted by you, accepted by us, directed and pointed to who you are for them because you are the God who's leading them away from the fear, away from that struggle and toward mental health, toward emotional health. You're, you've called them, God. They're your own. And we thank you, God. We thank you, God, that you are even now bringing healing in this area. And while this moment might not be the moment, it's a moment with you. It's a Bethel moment with you. And God, you are in this place. And we just say we love them. We love them. I pray they step out of this place, God, feeling lighter because they've been with their family. And they've been pointed to Jesus. And God, where you're leading them is a good place. 
wide open spaces, Lord, freedom. Mm. I just see you guys in fields running around like crazy. And we thank you, God, in your name, Jesus. Mm. Amen.